Hello and welcome to Life and Inside Job, the podcast where we affirm the importance and delight to be found in our inner lives. And in this episode, I talk to Sally Duttle and yet again, you're going to have to put up with me being a complete fangirl. But I'm not going to apologise for this or say sorry because Sally is amazing. She wrote the absolute bible on growing your own HRT. Her book has the same name, Grow Your Own HRT, and it covers all the science of how plant hormones work in a menopausal body. She goes deep into the research, into the disadvantages and advantages of the kind of HRT that you get from the doctor, which sprouts to grow, how to do it, just everything. She covers everything in that book. So I was just so delighted to talk to her. And she covers a lot of this stuff in this conversation. It's a shortish podcast, but oh my goodness, we cover loads in our different ways. Sally and I both offer alternative views of menopause that are kind of outside the mainstream narrative at the moment. But this information about sprouting absolutely needs to be known by everybody because growing sprouts is cheap. It's really well evidenced to be effective for menopause symptoms. It's very easy It's well-researched and it's even safe if you have a history of breast cancer and it's really, really effective. We cover loads of stuff, exactly how the sprouts work and how they affect your hormones, the physiology of that, how to get started without buying any special equipment and how to grow them really easily, how modern diets and cosmetics cause most of our menopause symptoms compared to what we used to eat, like in the first half of the 20th century. And the latest super positive, you you have to hear this, it's a really positive study on breast cancer and plant hormones. What to grow to support your libido, to have fabulous sex, and how sprouts can help everyone, even those who are unfortunate enough not to be in menopause. Poor things. And, you know, there are so many bonuses. How the Navy prevented scurvy. And, of course, Sally's cracking tip for a wonderful inner life, which will make you smile so much. One slight warning, though. The sound is a bit is a bit ronky. Zoom wasn't particularly kind to us that day. And I tried really hard to edit it well for you. Um, but if it is a bit cronky, I'm really sorry. I did my best. Anyway, I started by asking Sally about her own experience of menopause. So when I was 50, I started getting hot flushes and um, I didn't want to go on HRT. I'm, um, I'm all for alternative stuff. And so I went to the chemist and I saw that all the um, plant hormone menopause supplements a lot of them had red clover in and I was already a sprouting expert and Um. I was red clover and I'd written a little book about sprouting and in it I'd said um red clover has some plant hormones but we don't know much about them and they might not be safe for women with cancer and um but you know uh some traditional people use them and and that's all I put I put about two paragraphs and um so I thought, why would I spend? And it was like 15, 20 pound a month, for, you know, for years on these things when I could grow the actual thing. So I started growing them 
and it worked within three weeks. It was incredible. Um, so what, what changed then? I stopped getting hot flushes. <laughs> that was right. it. Right, okay. I stopped hot flushes. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I, yeah, my libido had gone down a bit as well. And that, that increased again. And I think that's the time I've got interesting. Um, and then after about six months, they came back. And so I just put the amount up and they went away again. And then I started, because everybody's my friends and my age, and I started telling them and persuading some of them to grow and even offering to grow them for people and getting this idea of, oh, I should write one of my little pamphlets about it, you know, for my talks. And, um, and then my friends had really good results as well. And so I thought, right, I'll write my little pamphlet and I'll just have a look up on the scientific websites, see if there's any uh, research behind this. And that was the turning point because there were thousands and thousands of papers about it. And they were all done by the drug industry and the um, supplement industry trying to prove their claims. Um, and they're um, all talking about, about sprouted, red clover, and other things as well, mung bean, fenugreek, alfalfa, there was a whole load of sprouts. So that starts alerting me to, oh, it's not just red clover. And they're all growing these things in labs to put into drugs and supplements, and not a string study says, oh, you could grow these at home. But they're all the, all the, all the reason they do this is because traditional women in traditional societies do this and this is how drug companies look for new things is to go and look at um, populations where they're really healthy and they're not getting certain symptoms and then look at what they're doing and then try and uh, grow it extract it and then flog it to rich westerners so i i i thought oh my god my little book is going to expand and it expanded to a sixty thousand page book 60,000 times 60,000 word book. <laughs> I think that's about 20. That would be big. <laughs> that would be a doorstop. <laughs> 60,000 pages of, um, so, oh God, the research, it was amazing. Um, and I became a scientist. I learned all the scientific terms to, to look at the pure research papers, not what people say about them, yeah. which is really important I've learned mm. because there's always a political agenda um, and a lot of it's about money. Tell us, how, tell us how plant hormones work. So, we've each got um, all these receptors in our cells, one calming, one stimulating. Okay, so plant hormones come along. If your body has too much, they were talking about estrogen, if it has too much estrogen, it gets on the calming stimulator and gives a tiny, tiny dose of estrogen to calm everything down if your body hasn't got enough estrogen it gets on the stimulating stimulator <laughs> and gives a much larger dose how it can tell we don't know but this is evolved over thousands of years and recently we've discovered that we've also got other receptors that only look for plant hormones so these receptors, the main ones I'm talking about, are our own estrogen, um, plant estrogen, xenoestrogens, but there's receptors just wanting plant hormones. So this shows they're actually a necessity. Mm. And we're missing out not having them. Mm. Yeah. And they should be on top of all pizzas. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, years ago, we sprinkled cress on everything. Yeah. 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 You know, um, years ago, the the British staple diet would be um, ham and peas. Peas are full of uh, a plant hormone called cumistrol. Um, lentils and hock. Lentils have uh, got plant hormones in. Um, we have um, a whole range of the, everything was bulked out. Peas pudding. Yeah, peas pudding, exactly. Everything was bulked out. My mother thought of uh, lentils and beans as a poverty food and just fed us meat and didn't realize that in the old days, we were bulking out the meat with all these um, beans. And, and also we always soak them overnight. The way people use them now is wrong. They were always soaked overnight and that gets rid of all the farty bits, the, the phytic acid that, that we can't digest, we don't like, it makes us hot, okay? And then sprinkling on uh, cress. So, which has got lots of plant progesterone in. So you were getting your plant estrogen and your plant uh, progesterone in every nail. Isn't that fantastic? fantastic? Yes. My my grandfather used to grow cress on his underpants. <laughs> on his, uh, not in them. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole chapter in my book about because um, cress is um, a wild name, wild cress is called scurvy grass because it can cure scurvy. Mm. It's got more vitamin C than ounce per ounce than lemons. And for years, the Admiralty missed that and didn't go crest on ships. Mm. And um, the, the um, Chinese didn't have the epidemic of scurvy and they were growing mung beans. And they've got a lot of vitamin C as well. Mm. And it took years and years for the Admiralty to recognise, um, yeah, that they used to grow it on blankets on, on the ship's deck, this crest. And, um, yeah, and it, and it went out of fashion and it's all wrong. Yeah. Well, Became a scientist, I learned all the scientific terms to, to look at the pure research papers, not what people say about them. Yeah. Which is really important I've learned mm. because there's always a political agenda um, and a lot of it's about money. Let's yeah, let's talk more about this because the awareness of menopause is rising, which is a good thing. Less shame. People yeah. talk about what's happening, less shame. Yeah. But the natural result of that is that companies see an opportunity to make more money. Absolutely. Yeah, they really do. Jeanette Winterson did a programme about a bioidentical HRT. I don't know if you've seen that one. I did, yeah. And that one is a little bit better. I mean, she does go to a private clinic where I think you have to spend thousands. But what they're doing is they're taking... Um, plant hormones in their natural form and then compounding them into 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 their kind of drugs and supplements um and that and that's a much better way of going about it because um just so your listeners know the difference between hrt that you get from the doctor is that in order to patent it they took plant hormones and added molecules or nowadays it's synthetic or they used to do um pregnant horses urine mm. estrogen. um but not so much anymore not so much anymore no because no. they can they've got synthetic estrogen mm. now uh, but but it is patented and it has got these extra molecules because you cannot patent a hormone okay 
And why, why do the extra molecules matter to the average person? What difference does that make to us as uh, humans? Okay, so the extra molecules are what causes the problem because the body doesn't know what to do with them. And depending on which molecule it is, um, they can have different effects because they still are are in the hormonal sphere but they can basically send the wrong signals so that's a real problem. okay i mean i don't know if you know about our um, hormone receptors in our cells perhaps you could say perhaps you could say say some say something about that so that yeah so in each really cell we've got, um, uh, two receptors uh, a stimulating receptor and a calming receptor and they sit and wait for hormones to land on them okay so if you get um something that's got something weird it can block a signal or it can send the song wrong signal um and if you've got um like I, I know this is wandering off into a slightly different subject but all the uh, hormones in the environment so you get them in pesticides in bleaches in toiletries and these are just used as fillers and binders and and unfortunately why are they <laughs> use hormones i looked it up and it's it's because apparently they, they're great preservatives they're great um and they they're absolutely terrible because they're not even like our hormones but yet they can get on the hormone receptors and send the wrong signals so imagine if your body is full of that you and everything's signaling wrong you can start to see how we're all getting mucked up yeah yeah so i one of the things that really interests me is why we seem to have such a hard time in midlife and clearly a lot of it is to do with xenoestrogens and hormone disrupting chemicals and, and, and all the all, all the shit we put in our bodies yes and bad diet uh, is a huge mm. thing mm. when they studied the japanese and said eating soya that was the soya marketers. What they needed to say is they're eating seaweed, absolutely packed with plant lignans, which is plant estrogen. They're eating all sorts, they're eating alfalfa, they eat beans all the time, all the different range of beans. They and um, then there's what they don't eat, they're not eating much gluten, they're not eating having dairy. Um, there's a whole healthy lifestyle, and then they flogged it to the west of eating soya. Just but it's but it's yeah. more it's more complex than that though don't you think i mean it's the, the, for a, a a woman in japan who's 50 today she would have had a whole lineage of of mothers and grand grandmothers and a whole female lineage of people eating a different diet and being exposed to different ideas about women and crucially different ideas about aging as well um possibly i'm not buying the um different ideas thing i think it's, okay. it's literally a physical thing and i'll tell you why because it's all over the world when we when women go on a farming rural society where they're eating lots of vegetables living healthily doing lots of um, weight bearing exercise naturally as part of their day when they go from that to cities mm. and start eating more processed food and living unnatural lifestyles uh, that's when they get the menopause symptoms and um, Japanese women 
who um, there was a fad um, for Jap rich Japanese women to start eating Western food. Okay. And they immediately started getting Western. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's so interesting. That is a disease of luxury. You're then mimicking Western women, which is not giving Japanese women the credit that you wouldn't mimic um, these, you know, silly symptoms. Chinese women get it because there's a lot of Chinese women going from farms to cities, and it's happening there right now. Mm. And they're, and they're told that city women are spoilt, and and it's and it's all rubbish. This is a physical thing. If your body needs. If when the brain talks to the ovaries and it can't give it what it needs, you get these terrible symptoms. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I just, what I, the thing I, I'm a big, I'm a bit of a fan, I have to say, Sally, and I, I really love your book because you are a super nerd. <laughs> yeah, because you went, as you said, you went right into all the research and researched the hell out of everything. And it never stops as well. Every time I look it up, I don't do it often now. I go online and what you what you can do on PubMed, which is the science website, is you can go and go to my favorite studies and then see who has cited those studies. And it means oh. they're in the same area. And then you follow links to, to present day and find out what, what the latest is on everything. And every time I do it, I think, God, I could devote my life to this. And if more people buy my book, I, you know, I, I could get a researcher or something, but not many people are actually buying it. And so I'm just every now and then I, I kind of I just do a little bit. And with the breast, you know, there was a new research about breast cancer and plant hormones. So I did write that up and put it on my website. And I thought, oh, this is really important. Yeah. yeah so tell us about that, the, the breast cancer so, and red clover. Because hormone dependent breast cancer means that women who've had it, they can't, or they can't go on any kind of HRT, you know, they're not on bioidentical, not because their, their breast cancer cells are looking for the hormones. And so they, they, you know, write to me or, and say, can I take plant hormones sprout in their sprouted form, in their natural form? And I've always had to say, oh, I, I'm so, so sorry. I can't say yes, because, you know, and even though I was thinking, in countries where they eat um, loads of sprouted foods, they don't get the menopause symptoms and the hormone dependence cancer. It's not enough until there's a study. Well, what's happened is there's now a study and they, um, they women with hormone dependent breast cancer taking red clover um, and it helped, it helped kill the cancer as well. Wow, it's a two for one deal. Yeah. <laughs> wow, isn't that amazing? So, um, and then women on tamoxifen and taking red clover, again, it made the tamoxifen work better. So it's just, it's wonderful. And the thing about the, the first study was on the sprouted foods, because lots of the study, they, they do the extracts and it's, I, it kind of, I do use those studies, but I think actually in their natural form, they're much better. And loads of the older studies actually say, no, none of this works. And the reason is, is they were putting sprouted foods in a Petri dish with um, the hormone receptors and, and saying nothing's happening. And the reason is, is that we need it to go through our digestive systems to convert the compounds into the plant hormones. So if you put them in a Petri dish, 
um, it's not going to work. So this new study, they put them in the Petri dishes and fermented them the way they would in the oh. bath. And, and so it means all the old studies are rubbish, but but you go online and people are quoting the old studies and not looking up the latest. And it's and people like Davina McCall can can go, oh, this doesn't work. She literally waved her hand on that. Mm. So what did yeah. you think? What did you think about the program? Did you see it? I did I didn't see it on the night, but so many people told me, because obviously the, <laughs> they know I'm a menopause nerd, but yeah, I watched it a few weeks later. And um, I think I watched it twice. The first time I was so full of outrage that I couldn't, um, couldn't quite take it in. And then I had to watch it again with a notepad and kept stopping and pausing and writing furiously mm. and doing a bit more. I think that what we need is a wider range of voices, a wider range of opinions, because as you know, next year, we're all going to be just fucking sick of menopause because it's going to be there's going to be so much Davina's book will be out it'll be just like everywhere you know the the bill in parliament will change and it'll be it'll be commonplace but it will be a very narrow view of you're in midlife you're sick take this pill and get back to normal and stop complaining and get back on with all the tens of thousands of unpaid hours (laughs) of emotional labor that you're doing and overworking and um, pushing again into burnout. Exactly. And I, my issue or my feeling is that you, HRT should be a last resort. Okay. You should try natural, gentle plant hormones. And if you can't grow them yourself, you can get them from health food stores now. If you can't do that, yeah, go to the whole, the supplements where it's the whole plant. If you can't do that, go for bioidentical. And even the NHS have got bioidentical clinics now. Yeah. And only if that doesn't work, do you go to the one where you're getting all these funny molecules. Mm. That's my view. So I've got no problem with women with absolutely terrible symptoms being on HRT because they're the ones who get the most benefit anyway. But there's all these different stages. And all I mean, I the other thing I had to accept when I was writing my book is there are people out there, they're living off pizza and chips, they're stressed, they, you know, they can't get their fibre day, let alone, um, you know, start growing plant hormones. Can I help them? Probably not. You know, my my um, people are the hippies, the ones who are into all this, and I accept that. But there's more in the book than that. There's, uh, you know, there is this kind of, you know, well, if you can't do this, why not try that kind of thing? And this is just a starting point. This is just giving you the information, you know, and giving an alternative. I give an alternative view of menopause. Can you believe how arrogant that is? I think that's an excellent plan. I, 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 I'm with you on that in, in the arrogant department. Yeah, um, the, I, I'm, saying, I'm being arrogant, but it's all backed up. It's all, I've got all the studies, um, but it's um, the fertility industry and aging industry worked out what's really going on. And they had a symposium on it. And of course, the menopause industry aren't interested because what it says is that actually menopause is the opposite of puberty. So in puberty, the brain says to the the ovaries, right, you've got to start cranking up, right? And then in menopause, the brain says you've got to start cranking down. Now, in between that time, if the brain every month says, right, we're producing an egg and all this and the ovaries can't do it, then the brain keeps sending these messages. And that's when you start getting funny symptoms. So it's when your ovaries don't work that you get symptoms. If your ovaries work for your whole life, 
when the brain says it's time to wind down, they wind down with no problem. And, and, and anyway, they don't wind down and stop. They wind down and create different hormones. Yeah. They start creating testosterone, which our fat cells convert to a special kind of old lady estrogen that's really gentle, really good for us, really good for our hair, our skin, and our vaginas. You know, and there's this whole natural, beautiful process that the HRT industry, they don't mention that. Mm. And that's what happens in normal, natural women. And if normal, natural women knew this, their first port of call would be, why are my ovaries not working? Mm. Okay. And then they'd find out about xenoestrogens. And my biggest bugbear is the um, xenoestrogens in uh, cosmetics and toiletries. Because imagine it's in your bath. You're pouring this in your bath and you sit and soak in it you it's in your foundation and you put it on and you rub it in rubbing those those yeah those extra hormones that are going to muck you up and keep it on all day <laughs> and i mean my bottom line because you know so i have skin times in my life is no parabens that's what you know in my toiletries and you, you don't have to spend a lot now. You can get, you know, Nivea do a no paraben one now and Superdrug do and you can mm. go online. Or, but it, when I've got money, it's organic. When I haven't, it's Nivea Naturals or whatever, you know. Sorry, mm. I don't do brands, but well, we go online. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's partly what's... And then the terrible diets. And I know, I mean, I'm like... A ridiculously healthy eater. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm out there <laughs> to the point that you know my family dislike me. You know, why does she eat funny food? <laughs> you know, um, it's yeah. mum's. It's mum's weird stuff again. She's at it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Add that to that. But oh uh, yeah, I'm. I you know, I'm sugar. I'm organic. I, I, you know, uh, all of that, and I love it. But uh, I accept that most people can't do it. I don't. I don't have kids. You see, <laughs> I I don't have a husband. I don't have kids. I'm just me, 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 me. <laughs> I just look after me. <laughs> Good. We need you. But I know other uh, women can't. So, yeah. But it, even even with uh, a stressful life, uh, with lots of challenges and you know, a, a less than ideal diet, adding in some some sprouts is going to be helpful, isn't it? Uh, yeah, because sprouts not only help with menopause, I mean, we're here to talk about that. But I, before, long before I taught about menopause, I was teaching sprouting for health. Because basically when you sprout, say a bean, you sprout a bean for a few days, all the nutrients inside double and treble because they want to feed the growing plant when i say sprout you just soak it overnight and then just um drain it and put it in put it in a sieve or a sprouter and water it a couple of times a day and and all these nutrients that get broken down into their most simple form it's called pre-digestion um to feed the plant as well um and then also the the bean will treble or even quadruple in size and it gets rid of all, any bad stuff. So all kind of beans and seeds have um, things to protect them from being eaten by things. And they just get sloughed off. So all bad stuff gone, nutrients increase, and in, easy to digest form. That is nature's vitamin pill, you know? 
and and you can just grow them so easily once you get in a routine it's really easy and you'll miss them and then you can keep them on i've got a window ledge above my sink and it's so great that i level so i never forget to water them because some people go should i put them in the cupboard no you'll forget them and they'll go moldy you know so um and then there's baby greens which you grow for about a week until they have a little double leaf so that's your alfalfa and your red clover um, and they root through the sacks of the tray and they stand up and they reach their peak of nutrition on about day seven, day out, day eight. They did curly and photography about the light around them. And on day seven, day eight, it was massive. Oh. And then you eat it. Yeah. So can you give us an idiot's guide? So for somebody who's like, they're listening to this and going, oh God, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll have um, some sprouts alongside my pizza. Great. What, what what how can how can people start? What what what's the sort of base level? Okay, if you don't want to sprout yourself, get yourself along to a health food store. Though I think Waitrose might do some now as well. Mm. Like maybe other supermarkets. Um avoid what's called cress salad. I couldn't believe that. It's not cress. Cress, it's 15% cress usually. Yeah. 15 it's rapeseed <sighs> yeah because that's easier to grow but it real cress is spicy mm. it's hot mustardy isn't it yeah and and that's all fantastic because when um when the gut um converts the the compounds to hormones the spiciness the compounds in the spiciness helps that so isn't that great that is interesting okay so you can go and buy them but if you wanted to sprout your first what's the what's what's the basic level for sprouting? I think um, you get going with your mung beans um, and your alfalfa. Okay. Stock because they're very, very easy. Or lentils, or you can even combine, you can grow mung and lentil together, you can mm. have half and half. All you do is soak them overnight. Yeah. If you don't want to buy any sprouting equipment because you're just experimenting, what you can do is just put them in a sieve. You've got a nice plastic sieve, not metal, um, over a bowl. So you soak them overnight, pour them in your sieve, and then pour some water through it twice a day, and they're ready when the little root is as big as the bean. Okay. Okay, which is two or three days. Mm -hmm. um, and keep them not too cold, not too hot. And then um, if you get on well with that, you can start with a baby green, so alfalfa, or some people like fenugreek, even though it's a bit smelly. And you basically... Um, soak your bean uh, seed overnight um, again you can put it in a sieve but you wouldn't want these on top of each other because they're gonna sprout for a whole week and need space to grow whereas okay. a few days so you can have them all on top of each other and these want to get up and reach the light so have them so they're kind of next to each other so they've all got a little chance to root um, and then but same thing you water them gently very gently um, so that you don't disturb the root and let them grow for a, for a week yeah um that's it that's the start i've got a little book just on sprouting that's mm. uh, it's on ebay it's about 199 no but we don't want them to buy that we want them to buy your book growing your hrt yeah do we not grow your own. <laughs> don't buy the cheap book buy the book with everything there's a full sprouting guide <laughs> i think it's ten thousand word sprouting guide within the book yeah right? I can't remember what chapter it is, but which is basically the other book that I included. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
recycling. It's very good to recycle, I find. <laughs> so tell me about sex and fenugreek, Sally. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> tell me about the smell and why that's sexy. Come on. Oh, well, fenugreek, oh, it's, it's such a strong Indian spice and it comes out of your armpits. <laughs> and you have to basically, even if you put the odorant on, you have to refresh a few times a day. I had a, my ex-partner always said it was lovely. Uh, I, he was as mad as I am. <laughs> he was as hippie as I am. We didn't do perfume, we did Greek. <laughs> I don't know if he liked it, that no other man would get near me. <laughs> Anyway, fenugreek, um, well, since it, in the book, I suggest that it might be good for libido, but since the book's been out, and I have put this study on my website, there's a study that shows um, it's absolutely brilliant for increasing libido, and it's got plant testosterone in it. Or, um, the reason that I, in the book I'm, I'm groping towards there being a plant testosterone, and I just can't find it, and I know it's there, and it's because I was looking up the wrong thing, and it's plant androgens. Ah. more broad because everybody knows about testosterone but it's only one of a whole range of male hormones that are androgens mm. and i missed it and so now i found the studies and um that show that plant androgens exist which include testosterone so if you're a little bit low on that it it helps yeah it helps balance you basically mm. so um yeah and i've given it to friends and honestly you know they've come back a week later and gone mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting <laughs> they had um yeah surges of feeling should we call it marvelous yeah um i'm not doing um fenugreek now i've got another new boyfriend now <laughs> and i haven't introduced him to the concert uh, but i'm i'm doing okay <laughs> actually i thought i'd lost my libido and i and I met him and I realised, oh, that's it. I didn't need a libido. <laughs> and now I do. Here it is again. Well, I think, I think that the, the question of, of libido and, sec and sexuality is very interesting because it's so closely related to our creativity and our juice for life. Yes. And, you know, if you... No, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. But most sort of middle-aged cis men are less than gorgeous, I would say. Um, and some of them are very nice. I, I live with a very nice one. He's very nice. Um, <laughs> but just because you don't want to have a penis in your vagina from a from a bloke doesn't mean that your libido is gone. It means that you don't want a penis in your vagina. There may be, you may be have a raging creativity. You may have a desire to run and dance and find rhythm until your feet fall off. And that's libido too. You know, we, it's, it's like menopause. We have this really narrow view of what sexuality is. And I, I think a lot, a lot of women um, start to question, you know, particularly our age. We didn't have many, much gender choice or much sexuality choice. As, a, as teenagers and people are going off and having wild sex instead of you know experimenting and having a good time indeed yeah i've been going the other way i've been um if a man chats me up 
um, I've been saying oh, I'm not really interested in sex, that's why I've been telling them, um, and, um, and then I see if they go away. So we've done the practical, we've done the raging, yeah. we've done science. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Sally, could you give me please your, your tip for a, a, a happy inner life? <laughs> um, screaming, regular screaming. <laughs> I think I'm joking. <laughs> what you have to do if you can't, if you've got nowhere to scream, um, well, because you know neighbours and stuff like that, you have to do silent screaming, hitting cushions. Get it out, get it out, and then and then you can get on with normal life. But mm. you know, yeah, dive deep. Um, and just bring up all the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a therapeutic community. That's what we do. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sally, so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and hearing all about your... <laughs> Thank you. Your adventures and your, your knowledge, actually, is, is just such a gift to us. There is a beautiful irony that Sally and I recorded this conversation on the 29th of October 2021 when the rest of the menopause world was marching on Westminster in London for the second reading of Carolyn Harris's Menopause Support and Services Bill, of which the most popular part was to have HRT be free to access in England, in, the line, in line with the rest of the UK. I just love that. I love that, that these two things were going on at the same time. So go and buy Sally's book, How to Grow Your Own HRT, now. And if you already have a copy, um, get one anyway and give it to a friend. Her website has the same name as the book, growyourownhrt.com. And there are lots of brilliant articles there concerning sex and fenugreek and uh, men and prostate cancer and how sprouts can help with that and much, much more. And in the notes on my site, I will put a link so you can go and buy some seeds and get sprouting. Yay! I'd love to hear your responses to our conversation. So please do pop over to Instagram where I'm at Kate underscore Codrington. And come and tell me what you're sprouting and how you're doing with that. Don't ask me for tips, though. Go and ask Sally. <laughs> I'm very haphazard in my sprouting, but I do eat a lot of them. And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's interesting for you, it would just be fabulous if you could share it with a friend who might be interested to, or even leave a review on iTunes. That would be wonderful. And I'll see you again. Or rather, you'll hear me again very soon, you lucky thing on Life and Inside Job.